welcome to the Redeemer Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And our student ministries exist to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Our whole goal is to come alongside parents and helping their kids follow Jesus Christ. And so what you're about to listen to is a sermon that was preached on our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30. And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ as we behold Him in His glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. Listen to these words. Rest, repose, joy, delight, hope, happiness, holiness, blessing, bliss, peace. What do these words make you think of? Or how about these ones? Obedience, love, submission, devotion, worship. Or how about creator, God, savior, Lord, King, Redeemer. I say those words because they capture what we're talking about tonight. We're moving through the Ten Commandments, and it's where God, who's our Creator, He made us, we belong to Him, and our Redeemer, He saved us, He brought us out of Egypt. When He's he's talking about us and telling us, this is my will for how you live, and how you show your love to me, how you submit to me, obey me, and live for me. This is how we're going to have a relationship with one another. And I, all those words, rest, joy, blessing, bliss, delight, those apply specifically to the commandment we're moving to today on the fourth commandment. So, we will be. You guys can turn to Exodus 28 through 11. You look at the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And my main point for you guys takeaway today is that the fourth commandment instructs us to rest and worship on Sunday so that we might remember Christ's finished work and reorient our hearts to God in heaven. So the fourth commandment reminds us to rest and commands us to rest and worship on Sunday so we can remember Christ's finished work and reorient our hearts to live for God in heaven. And it's going to show us our sinful tendency to fail to use our time in a way that promotes love and trust and hope in God. It's going to show us our sin, perhaps in how we use our time. So, yeah. My title is The Sabbath Rest Is. Two points. A command and a picture. It's a command to rest, work, and worship. It's a picture of our eternal rest in Christ. So, go to Exodus 28 through 11. I'm going to read it, and then we will begin. We'll be we do it. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in, for in six days, why should we do this? For because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, because of this, God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Father, teach us through your word. Come and meet us. We want to, we want to speak to you. We want to hear from you. 
And we want to go away rejoicing because we've understood your word and your will for our lives. Because we've heard about the glory of our salvation in Jesus Christ. So come Holy Spirit, help me. Strengthen my voice. And then cause all of us to hear, Lord. Those who don't know you, would they know you? Would they hear your word and believe and enter into that rest in Christ? And may your saints be encouraged to delight in your commandments and your law for them. Amen. Okay. I'm just going to walk through this and see how the Sabbath command tells us to work, to rest, and to worship on Sunday. So verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. This is just the first kind of umbrella command. It says, Hey, remember I gave you the Sabbath at creation? Don't forget about it. Don't forget to orient your life around this day. Keep it holy. Guard it. Don't let it become like all the other days. Don't let it become a common day. Keep it holy. The word holy means set apart from common things and devoted to God. So when he says make a day holy, he's saying it's not like your other days. It's set apart and devoted to God, devoted to worshiping God. So that's the umbrella command. And then he explains, so that's what we're to do. Now he says, how are you going to do it? How are you going to keep the Sabbath day holy? Verse 9. First, you've got to work. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So God's commanding us to work six days. It's good to work. God wants us to work hard at our school. He wants us to work hard at our jobs. He wants us to work hard at our chores, our sports, anything we do in those six days of the week. He says, work hard at it. Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And Colossians says, do it as if you're working for the Lord. Work hard. God wants us to. Work six days. And then he says, and do all your work. What he's saying there is, finish it all. All your work on the six, in the six days, so that on the seventh day, you don't have anything left to do. You can devote that day to worshiping God. So that's what he says. Work. Next is rest. He says, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work. Not do any work. So the word Sabbath, it means rest. Like, the literal Hebrew word just means rest. And so he says, on the seventh day, you're supposed to rest. You're not supposed to do work. You're supposed to cease from whatever you're doing the rest of the six days, your main job, whatever it is, school, work, whatever it is. You cease from that. Why do you cease from it? There's a reason. It's a Sabbath to, see that word in verse 10, to the Lord your God, which means you're resting on this day as an act of worship to God. And you're setting apart as a day for worship. If you look at Leviticus 23.3, talks a little bit more about the Sabbath and a bunch of other like, things that the Jews had in their calendars. And he says it's a holy convocation, which basically just means all God's people assemble together on this day and they worship God. So if the Sabbath is a day for work, or no, it's not a day for work. This is a command to work six days, rest the seventh day in order to worship God. And then he says, on it you shall do not, not do any work, you or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who's been within your gates. And his point there is just, when you're not working, and you're worshiping God, you also need to make sure other people, your kids, the people who've got authority over, the people who work for your business, make sure you're not keeping, make sure you're not making them break the law. So, that's the basic command. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Do this by working six days, doing all your work in six days, resting on the seventh day so you can worship God. 
And then he tells us why. Why should we do it? Verse 11, for. The word for means because. Because in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. God did work. And then rested on the seventh day. So here he's saying the first reason is because we're following God's example. Remember that we're made in God's image. If you go back to the Genesis account, whatever God does, man does. God subdues all the forces of chaos, the sea, the ocean. Man's called to subdue the earth. God creates the earth and fills it with creatures. Man's called to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. God rests, works six days, rests on the seventh day. Man's called to work six days, rests on the seventh day. By his example, God was implicitly saying, you need to work six days, rest on the seventh day. It didn't take God six days to make the world. He could have made it in a second if he wanted to. But he took six days to make the world. Because he wanted to be an example for us to show us we need to work and we need to rest. So by example, God teaches us. That's one reason. And then it says, Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So he's saying, here's another reason. Since God had his example, he tells us explicitly, he blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Those, the word blessed and made it holy are very important. So made it holy. Remember, I just talked about what it means to be holy. It means it's set apart and from other communes and devoted to God. So for the temple, they've got all these pots that they are they're, they're to be called holy, consecrated to the Lord, which means you don't use these pots, these little brass vessels for cooking your food, and it's not a little pot for pooping in. You've got to use this pot specifically for worshiping God. So it's holy. It's not used for common things. Um, it's holy. So he's saying this day is set apart. It's the day where you worship God. Not only is it for God's glory, but it's also, it says God blessed it. The word blessing means it's joy. It's a day of happiness. It's a day of delight. It's a day of rest and refreshment. So that when God makes it holy, he makes it holy for himself, for his glory. When he blesses it, it's for us. He says, this is the day when you guys are going to be blessed spiritually and physically if you keep it holy. You're going to have rest physically so you'll be refreshed. And spiritually, you're going to be reminded, I don't live for the things of this world. I don't live for my work, even though it's good to work hard. I don't live for money. I don't live for being the best in my sports or having the highest grades. I live for God. Man's chief end, the Westminster Catechism says, is to glorify God, holy, and to enjoy Him forever, blessed. The Sabbath day just reminds us that's why we're alive. To glorify God, enjoy Him forever. So, that's, that's what this command says. It says, keep the Sabbath day holy by working, resting, and worshiping. And then you do this because God, from the beginning of time, from creation, God has made this his will for man. So, how do, how do we practice it today? We're not Israelites. We're not Jews. It's not going to be exactly the same way as it was in, for them in this covenant. And I'll explain how it changes a little bit later. But, first of all, one thing that's helpful is Jesus in Matthew 12. I'm not going to go there because I don't have time. I wanted to, but I don't have time. So the Pharisees, they accuse him of doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath. And letting his disciples do what's not lawful on the Sabbath. And healing on the Sabbath, they say, that's breaking the law. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. That's what Pharisees do about the Sabbath. 
and make it a list of do's and don'ts. And it's not fun. It's not a blessing anymore. But Jesus said in Mark 2, he said, The Sabbath was made for man. Blessing for man. Not man for the Sabbath. And then in Matthew 12, he says, Guys, I'm healing. I'm helping someone. I'm healing them. If you guys had a dog and it fell in a pit on the Sabbath, would you help it out? Or a donkey? You know, that's what he says to them. He says, how much more? A human being created in the image of God. Aren't they much more valuable than animals? So he says, it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. So that just right off the bat, that's very important because some of you guys have parents who sometimes have to work on Sunday because they're working at the fire department or they're in the medical field. And there's lots of different things like that that are necessary jobs. And they're helping people. They're healing people. And Jesus would say, that's good. That honors God. They would want to be at church. And we want them to be with us worshiping. But sometimes they have to, they have to help. Because what happens if, if there's no firemen working on Sunday, what happens when the church starts burning down? It just burns down. So we need people, some people to work on the Sabbath. Sunday for us. But for the most part, our duty, because most of us are probably not going to be firemen, and doctors, maybe some of us will be, obviously, but our duty is to take this day, the day of rest and worship. So how do we practice it? First thing is we prioritize worship with the church, and we rest to do so. So that means that when we come it's Sunday morning, we say, my main thing to do today is to gather with the church and to worship. I don't want anything to get in the way with that because it's God's command to me. I'm not my, this, Sunday is not about watching football. Might be, my, football might be fun. Sunday is not about watching football. It's not about going to our sports tournaments. And if they get in the way, those things should be, they just should be left out. It's like They're not as important as gathering with God's people. Today where we prioritize worship. And in order to do that, sometimes we have to, we have to rest. We have to rest from our work, what we do the rest of the week. So, school, work, whatever it would be, our sports. So, I'm not going to give you, you can do this, you can't do this, a list of do's and don'ts. That's what people have done for the last 2,000 years, and they just ruined this habit. It's a gift from God for our good. So, you have to decide for yourselves. You have to think, how can I use this day to prioritize God? And then you ask yourself, whenever you've got something to do, you say, is this going to help me to rest, to worship God, or is it going to keep me from doing that? It's the Sabbath day, not the Sabbath one hour of church, you know? It's the Sabbath day. So, think about that. How can I honor God with this day? That's the first thing we do to practice it. Second, I guess I already said this, so <laughs> we'll go to that. And then finally, I just, one, one thing that I've done. I've, I've only recently been learning about this. I wasn't, I've been studying it a bunch in the last four weeks to prepare for this. But I realized, okay, I should probably not be doing school on Sunday. I do school all week. I love school. I love to read books. I'm in seminary. But I decided this is a day where I'm going to not do that so I can devote this day to prayer, to being with the church, having a Bible study with some of the boys in middle school. We have lots of fun. And that's, I want to, not do school on this day because it's a day for worship. It's a day to be with the people of God. So to do that, I've got to work hard so that I've got my school done the rest of the week. So that's just an example. That's how I've done it. So you need to think for yourselves. What do I need to cut out? So 
so that I can honor the Lord, keep the Sabbath holy. And also, for the Jews, the Sabbath was the seventh day. It was Saturday. So why do we worship on Sunday? How, what changed it? I will, I'll get to that later, but I just want to make, make sure you realize that. So why do we need the Sabbath? It helps us with our relationship to God, our relationship to other people, and our relationship to our world. So the Sabbath, it reminds us, as I said before, that we live for God's glory and to enjoy Him. It helps us with our relationship to God. It helps us with our relationship to other people because it's a day when we think, we're reminded, you know, there's all humdrum, of, you know, living, working, eat, eating, sleeping. The Sabbath day, we take a step back and say, why am I here? God created me to worship Him. He created me to love and serve others. So Hebrews 10, 24-25, talking about their weekly meetings on the Lord's Day, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So today where we love the church specifically by encouraging them, by exhorting them to keep pursuing God, to keep growing in holiness, to do good works, and we also seek to serve others. We seek to help others. And so it's a day where it reminds us to live out of love for others. And finally, it reminds us to have a right relationship with the world. We don't live for money or reputation. We don't live for the moment we get off school. At the end of the day, we don't live for the weekend. And we don't live for retirement. We live in all things to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. For this life and for eternity. That's why God made us. And remember, the Sabbath is a delight. God made it. Isaiah 58, 13 says, call my, If you turn your foot from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call my Sabbath a delight, then you'll... I don't remember exactly how the rest of it goes. But he says, you're going to have lots of joy, basically. So that's kind of how the whole Christian life is. We stop seeking our pleasure and sin. We stop pursuing what we want. And we say, God, I want to do what you want. I want to obey you, glorify you, do your will. I'm going to deny myself. And then guess what happens? We realize there's more joy in following God and obeying him than in all the sin, everything this world can offer. So it's the same with the Sabbath command. We think we're sacrificing so much and giving up so much when really when we, we realize God is good. He gave it to us as a blessing. You're going to give up stuff, and you're going to gain a whole lot more. So it's a delight. I just want you to realize that. I'm learning that now, and I want you guys to learn it all with me. God commanded it for us, for our good, for his glory. So this command, remember we are commanded to work, rest, and worship on the Sabbath. It also reveals our fallenness. It reveals how we're, how we're sinful, how we don't love God like we should. We don't trust him like we should, and we don't live with our hope set on heaven, like we should. So first of all, it reveals our lack of love. Because we so often, throughout the week, we forget, oh, we forget that we, live, we're, we're, we exist for God's glory. And we get distracted by things of this world. And it's kind of revealed by the common objection to like, oh, the Sabbath? That's legalism. It's like, think about that. Let's say there's someone, a, a wife, who comes to her husband and says, you know, I want our relationship to grow. I love you. I want to spend a whole day with you, once a week. And the husband says, honey, I love you, but I don't enjoy spending time with you. 
and I don't like talking to you. And don't ask me to do hard things for you, because I don't want to serve you. I love you. I just, I just would rather that you cook food for me while I watch football, and you give me, you serve me, do all my pleasure, while I do what I want. I love you, though. And, and we do that with God. We say, God, I love you. But don't ask me to take time, to spend time with you. I don't enjoy being with you. I don't. I don't like to talk to you. I don't like to do hard things for you. And the Sabbath command reveals our lovelessness. It reveals our sin. What's the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This command gets right at the heart of it. The Sabbath says, shows us we don't love him as we should. It also shows us our lack of trust. Because another objection to the Sabbath is, if I take that whole day off to rest, I'm not going to be able to get all my work done. I'm not going to be able to provide for my family. I'm not going to be able to get my school done and get a good grade. I'm not going to be good at sports because all my other people are practicing on Sunday instead of going to church. And so it reveals our lack of trust in God. Here's what you can just learn from the Bible. When God commands us to do something that might seem like it's going to, which I've already said this, seem like we're going to lose, God's actually going to use that to bless us. So, Yeah, Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. Why? Because he gives to his beloved sleep. You don't have to spend your whole life fretting and working, trying to get to the next level. You can trust God. You can take a break. You can give yourself a break. The world doesn't depend on you. And all, everything else, it doesn't depend on you. God gives you sleep. Rest. Don't toil, Proverbs 23, 4 says, to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to know when to point to desist, when to stop. We can trust God. We can trust Him with that one day of the week that He'll work things out. And then we just work hard on the rest of the days of the week to do it. Sometimes it's hard, we can trust Him. And show the world in this because we just don't want to spend our, month, our one day of the week looking towards heaven, thinking about God. We'd rather just spend our time thinking about football or school or sports or whatever it is. I'm, those are not bad things. I'm not saying that. We can do those things for the glory of God with thanksgiving in our hearts. But if, it, if we love those things so much that we can't take any time away from them to focus on God, it shows there's a problem. So, that's the Sabbath command. It's, it's for our good. It's a command to work six days, rest, and worship on the seventh day. And it shows us our sin, lack of love, our lack of trust, and our worldliness. But it doesn't leave us there. The Sabbath command is also a picture of Christ's work and rest for us, of the eternal rest that we have in Christ. You guys can go to Revelation 14, 9 through 13. Revelation 14, 9 through 13. And Colossians 2, 16-17, it says that don't live, or it says you guys don't have to keep Sabbath anymore. Sabbaths, new moons, festivals, you don't have to keep these things anymore. They're a shadow that are fulfilled in Christ. And he's talking about the Jewish, he's talking about the Jewish Sabbath. He says that's done away. It's replaced by a new Sabbath, a Sunday. And we'll talk about that. But that's because Jesus did something. He did something great when he came 
that was like a new creation with a new Sabbath day. And it was accomplishing a new salvation, a new rest that we enter into. And so, I hope that you'll see the rest that Jesus gives us as we look at Revelation 14, 9-13. And now I've got to turn there. <laughs> This is talking about our eternal destiny. I will read it. And another angel, a third, followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast and its image, which is just a symbol for the world that's trying to suck you in to live for, for whatever the world offers, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, as 1 John 2 says. If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, that's not the COVID vaccine, just so you know. <laughs> he also, so, if anyone lives for the world, for the beast, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. These worshippers of the beast in its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. I'm going to stop there before going to the next part. Those who receive the mark of the beast, it's just talking about those who live for the world. Those who don't keep the Sabbath, those who don't live out of love for God, don't trust God, but are so focused on worldly earthly things. He says, those kind of people who live in a consistent pattern that life, their portion, they're going to drink the wine of God's wrath, pour full strength into the cup of his anger. So first it shows us about hell, that it's a place of wrath and judgment. The word cup, that's used there to say that it's not out of control. It's measured. It's exactly in proportion to the crimes we've committed against God. So many people think, eternal hell, that's not fair. Why would God do that? It's like, since when does the criminal accuse the judge and condemn the judge? Since when does the rebel behead the king? God is the judge. He is the standard of justice. And he's so righteous. And when he looks at sin, the only punishment worthy for something so evil as our sins that we commit every day is eternal hell. Wrath, torment. The cup of God's wrath, his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. You know, people always say, hell is so bad because God's not there. Which is it's true that we're separated from his goodness, but God is there. And that's part of why it's so bad. Have you ever been caught doing something evil? What happens? You feel guilty. You feel ashamed. You've been exposed. You feel naked. Because you did what you know you shouldn't do. And they caught you red-handed. And that's in front of simple people like your parents. But what happens when you're exposed before a holy God? What, what kind of shame and guilt will you feel for eternity, for the sins you and I have committed? That's what hell is forever. Torment, shame, and guilt. And it's forever and ever. They have no, this is why I chose this, because it says they have no rest. Sadness is a symbol of joy and delight in God's presence. They don't have that. When I suffer in this world, when we suffer in this world, it's always a consolation to remember. I can go take a nap, and at least I'll be able to forget about the pain for a little bit. And maybe I'll wake up and it'll all be better. People in hell, they can't say that. 
There's no relief. There's no respite. They have no rest day or night. And God speaks in Deuteronomy 28. You guys don't need to go there. But it speaks about Israel's punishment for disobeying God's law. And it says about the restlessness they're going to have. It says, among these nations, they're going to be exiled. You shall find no respite. And there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot. But the Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing eyes and a languishing soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Night and morning you shall say, if only it were evening. And at evening you shall say, if only it were morning. Because of the dread that your heart shall feel and the sights that your eyes shall see. That's a picture of hell. In the morning you'll be wishing it was evening, and in the evening you'll be wishing it was morning. And there's no rest, day or night. And your soul will languish. And that's the only punishment suitable for the crimes you and I commit every day against God. But that's not the end. We've broken the Sabbath. We've lived through this world. We haven't loved God or trusted Him like we should. We deserve eternal hell with no rest, day or night. But God gives us rest. He offers us rest in Christ. Anyone know another place in the Bible where there's a cup mentioned? Answer, someone, someone give me an answer. Do you guys know where a cup is mentioned? A cup of wrath and judgment. Think about Jesus. Praying. I'm waiting for an answer. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Father, if, it be, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but your will be done. What cup was that? It's the same cup we have in Revelation 14. The cup of God's wrath, or full strength, or yeah, it's the cup of his anger. Jesus, on the cross, all the wrath that we have continually stored up, our unrepentance, our sin, day after day, when God keeps showing us goodness, we're storing up wrath against ourselves for the day of God's wrath, Romans 2 says. We're storing it up more and more and more. But Jesus, all that wrath stored up against us, he took it. He stood in our place on the cross. And he, for us, he laid down his life. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He took the hell that we deserve for eternity and just in a couple hours on the cross, he suffered for us because he loved us. And he wanted to offer us rest. He took the restlessness and wrath so that we, we might know the grace and the blessing and the rest of heaven for eternity. And if you keep reading in Revelation 14, you'll see. He says after that picture of hell, he says, here's a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God, like our sermon we're talking about, and their faith in Jesus. Why should they endure? Because it says in verse 13, and I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed, happy are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. In this world, we're restless. You guys, Jesus, he drank the cup of God's wrath for us. 
And what did he say? Think back to creation. Six days of work, God said it's finished, and he rested on the seventh day. Did Jesus say it's finished? Yep. When he drained the cup of God's wrath on the cross, John 19.30 said, it is finished. There's not any judgment left for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. He said it is finished. He finished his work. The law demands obedience, perfect obedience. It says do this and live. And it says if you've broken the law, death, curse. Jesus lived the life of perfect obedience. And then on the cross, he suffered the penalty of the law that we deserved. He took the curse, the restlessness that we might have. Rest. He finished his work on the cross in the grave. Seventh day, he was buried. That wasn't his rest, because he was dead. That's not rest. Rest is the time of joy, life, glory. When did Jesus Christ come to life? When did he experience glory, joy, delight? He rose again on the first day of the week, Sunday. The only time week is mentioned, it's mentioned nine times in the New Testament. Only one time, it's not talking about the first day of the week. Eight times, it says, Jesus rose again on the first day of the week. Jesus rose again, first day of the week. You guys can look at Luke 24, Matthew 28, all the end of the Gospels. And then later it talks about how the saints, if you go to Acts 27, you can see this. Acts 20, verse 7. They met together on the first day of the week to hear God's word preached, to celebrate the resurrection, to meet the risen Lord. They didn't see him with their eyes, but they had a greater blessing. Like the verse we read in worship today, blessed are those who don't see and yet believe. We get to meet the Lord, the risen Lord, every Sunday. We get to hear him speak to us through his word. We get to eat with him, the Lord's Supper, where he says, this is my body. I laid it down for you. I'm offering it to you. And he says, this is my blood. I shed it for you to forgive all your sins. That's what we do on Sunday. That's why we meet. That's why we worship. That's why we sing. That's why we hear the word. We're meeting our risen Lord. And then he gives us a commission. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He says, go into the world. Obey me. Live for my glory. <clears throat> the Sabbath is a perfect picture of salvation. Before Jesus Christ fulfilled the law, is work and then you'll rest. Do this and you'll live. Obey and you'll have eternal life. But now that Jesus finished the work, we start from rest. We already have our rest in Christ. The work's already finished. Uh, just a little a bit ago, we were setting up the chairs, and Scott walked in. We were already finished with the work. We said, Scott, there's nothing left for you to do. We finished the work. Now you get to just sit. You just get to rest in the chair, listen to the great sermon that's going to be preached, and you can enjoy it. <laughs> that's what Jesus does. He says, I finished the work. There's nothing left for you to do to contribute to your salvation. It's finished. It is done. I rose again. I entered into my rest. Hebrews 4 9 says, The one who has entered into God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. And because he entered into his rest, we can enter into the rest. We'll be with him in heaven one day. He went before us. He's the trailblazer. He opened up the way. He's the, the tank engine. We're the caboose. He just pulls us into heaven. And if, you know, if someone does all the work for us, then we think, I want to live. I want to live in gratitude to you. All that you've given me, I want to love you. I want to show you how great I think you are for what you've done. And that's what we do. We don't work so that we can rest. We, re we work because we already have rest in Christ. 
I was quoting Matthew 12 earlier, where Jesus talks about the Sabbath. It's interesting that right before that section, in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, he says this. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Nothing left to do. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, that's why we gather on the first day of the week. Jesus entered into his rest. He accomplished salvation for us. And we receive it by faith. So, those of you who are here, each week you hear the gospel. We preach it every week to you. And yet you're hardening your hearts. And you're not receiving the message. You're just like Israel in the wilderness. They got the message from God. I'm going to give you the promised land, the promised rest. I'm going to dwell with you forever. I'll give it to you if you believe, if you, if you obey, if you repent. What did they do? They did not believe. Hebrews 3 through 4 talks about this, and I don't have time to go there, but he says, he quotes Psalm 95, he says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, you're not guaranteed tomorrow, and hell is real. We talked about it. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Come to him. He'll give you rest. So please talk to me or talk to one of your leaders. And come to Jesus, and you will find rest for your souls. And then Christians, do you see why the Sabbath is a day of rest, joy, delight, hope, happiness, and holiness? It is a day which our good and loving Creator and Redeemer rose from the dead. And he's chosen to meet with us. He's, he says, I want to spend a whole day with you. Our God. It reminds us of the rest of the presently enjoying Christ. Every Sunday, remember, oh yeah, Christ finished the work. And it also reminds us that one day we're going to rest forever. No more tears, no more suffering, none of the stress and anxiety and bitter toil of this life. We'll rest forever. It is a day when we adore our Father and Creator who made us for Himself, when we worship our Lord Jesus Christ, who finished His work and entered this rest, when He rose from the dead for our salvation, and when we rejoice in the Holy Spirit who was sent down on Pentecost. Interesting thing is, Pentecost was the first day of the week, too, when they were gathered together, and the Holy Spirit came and empowered them for missions. The Holy Spirit came to rejoice in Him, who came down on Pentecost to empower us, to glorify God, and enjoy Him in our life, and tell this gospel to all our friends until Christ returns. So, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And as Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest.